<laughs> okay. So I was here last week uh, subbing for James as well. And last week I gave a talk on the three poisons, which is greed, hatred or aversion, and uh, delusion. And originally when James asked me to come for two weeks in a row, I thought I would do a series on these three poisons. I thought that would be really neat to, to really dive into them. Um, and I, I so I, that was what my plan was. And then I got a, a call from James um, soon after I had said that I would love to come and, and sub for him and that that was what I was going to do. And he called me up and uh, he said, uh, Kate, that last week that you're going to be subbing uh, is Earth Care Week. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, um, Earth Care Week, there's been this huge uh, coming together of all these Dharma teachers and practitioners uh, in the Buddhist lineages coming together because of their concern uh, about climate change. And the big question has been, how do we unite the teachings of the Buddha with this uh, change that's happening to our planet? And um, I need you to talk about that. <laughs> and I heard, there was this little voice that went off in my head, and I'm really glad I caught it. Because <laughs> I didn't say it out loud, but it just, this quick thought that went... Aw, oh, James, that's your thing. <laughs> and I'm so glad I caught it. Isn't that interesting? What an attitude to have. Gl- climate change. Oh, man, James, that's your thing. That's not my thing. And it was just real quick, little attitude of, well, I don't think so. And I'm glad that I caught it because the next thing that happened was I said, yes, absolutely, I'll do it. <laughs> I need to do it. But that type of attitude, I want to I address that <laughs> because that was definitely the most alive for me. And it didn't go away either as I was preparing for the talk, which I had to really prepare because I know a little bit about climate change. I know what m- most of us know about, uh, but not enough. I didn't feel like I was an authority on climate change. And certainly... Um, I haven't explored that much about what does our tradition say about that. And so there's been this ongoing attitude, as I've known this day was coming, of, oh man, this is not my thing. And I think that that's an attitude that not all of us have. Some of you, this is really your thing. (laughs) But some of us are still a bit behind. (laughs) And... I want to bring in uh, these three poisons back into the conversation during this talk uh, because uh, that, that, that feeling of, oh, what's happening to the earth isn't really my thing is uh, really shrouded in delusion, isn't it? How could it possibly be true that that's not our thing? And so I want to explore that tonight. As, and, and kind of take you down 
the road that I've been going down for the last few weeks as I've been thinking about giving this talk. And these three poisons actually really come alive in this topic. Um, We talked about last week uh, how much greed, hatred, delusion, really it clouds our truth. It clouds the truth. It clouds our understanding of this practice, of the path. It muddles our understanding of the four noble truths. It creates quite a bit of disconnect between us and experience, and us and other. Greed, hatred, and delusion. And so I think that when we look at our relationship with the, the, the changing of our planet and um, really the, the, the health of our planet and its increasing decline, uh, the more and more we find out about it, it's actually quite scary. Um, and the more we look away from that or, or f- don't feel connected to that, what I'm sure of right now is that there is poison in the mind. There's greed, hatred, delusion, one, maybe all three, that is present there. I want to read you something that was sent to me in a, in a larger document, but I'll just read you this short paragraph. And this is from what is now the Dharma teacher's Climate Collaborative, and this is, a, I think, a smaller grouping of teachers who have been, uh, and James is part of this, they've been in discussion uh, about what to do about climate change and, and, and how can our community, not just this Sangha, but our community as a whole and our Buddhist uh, community, how, what can we do about it? Are we meant to stand by and just let it happen? Or is there action that we can actually take that is in line with compassion and wisdom and in line with the teachings of the Buddha? So this is a paragraph that comes from something that they sent out. It goes like this. So as encouraged by our teacher, the Buddha who entered the fray of the world out of compassion. Let us together enter the reality of our current context with courage, hope, and clarity. Climate disruption is is direct the result of the inability of humans to live according to the Dharma. That's a really strong statement, isn't it? I'll read it again. Climate disruption is direct the result of the inability of humans to live according to the Dharma. The principle of karma tells us that our actions have consequences, and so it is with climate disruption. Yet, ironically, it also provides an unprecedented opportunity for us to learn from our individual and collective mistakes and manifest a great awakening. 
So that line in the middle, that this, the climate and its state at this time, our, our, our planet and its state at this time, and uh, is, is a direct result of people not living by the Dharma, not living the truth of how things are, whether that's Buddha Dharma or something else. Just the truth that uh, there is suffering in the world. Our planet is suffering, and we're not looking at it. We're not looking at it directly as a, as a larger community. We are in some ways, certainly... Actually, these days, if you go online, which I did immediately after talking to James and started Googling climate change and trying to take in as much information as I could, there are more organizations and more uh, websites dedicated to this topic, which, of course, is very complex, and there's many different facets to it. Uh, So there is an awakening that's happening, a global awakening around the fact that our our earth is in trouble. We are in trouble. And yet, as individuals, and I'm speaking of myself and what I believe to be probably a common experience, uh, we don't always consider that our actions do have direct consequences not only on ourselves, but on the people around us and our planet. And I love how they end the statement saying that because we are where we are in this point in time, we have this incredible opportunity to come together, to awaken together, to start to see our interconnectedness. And we're being shown this through this Uh, drastically changing environment. When I did go to look for information, I have to say I was pretty overwhelmed pretty quickly by what was there. There's just so much. Where do you even begin? I find that that stops me often enough when there's just too much and no starting place. Where do I even start with something like this, something so big as climate change? And I, wanna, I do want to read to you a few things, that, a few facts that I learned. Um, this is coming from the EPA. So one is that the global average temperature increased by more than 1.4 Fahrenheit. And I, I don't know, I, I feel like recently I heard on NPR, that it was 1.8. There's some new facts and information coming out, but this is what I found was 1.4 over the last century. In fact, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, uh, the decade from 2000 to 2010 was the warmest on record, and 2010 was tied with 2005 as the warmest year on record. Rising global temperatures have also been accompanied by other changes in weather and climate, which we know very, very well. We've been face-to-face with that uh, several times now uh, in this country. 
in just the last number of years. Uh, Many places have experienced change in rainfall, resulting in more intense rain, as well as more frequent and severe heat waves. The planet's oceans and glaciers have also experienced changes. Oceans are warming and becoming more acidic. Ice caps are melting and sea levels are rising. Someone was telling me just today that now in, in, here in the East Bay, in order to build, they now have new building regulations near the water that there has, you have to meet a new height and distance uh, from the water that wasn't there before because of the predictions that uh, our, our oceans are rising and how much that's going to affect us land animals. So it says all of these changes are evidence that our world is getting warmer. Changing uh, the average global temperature by even a degree or two can lead to serious consequences around the globe. Scientists project that the Earth's average temperatures will rise between 2 and 12 degrees Fahrenheit by 2100. So this is pretty bleak. And this is something that's not really debated. Uh, what will happen is, what will happen is, but that, that something is happening is not really debated. It's, it's mostly agreed upon, which is pretty rare uh, to my understanding in the scientific community. It's not really being debated anymore. Um, I'm just wondering, how does that make you feel? When you hear things like this, just thinking about it right now, you can just pop, you know, say it out loud if you want to. We don't need to pass a mic around. Sad. Yeah. Helpless. Helpless. Painful. Painful. Scared. Scared, frightened. Angry. Angry. Mm-hmm. Guilty. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's, that's what I felt, too, <laughs> in this exploration. Uh, all of those things, waves of them. And it's, it's, it can be very quickly, very overwhelming. And I think that sometimes, because of that, we can have this tendency to have aversion to it. There can be this tendency, it's too much. I just, I don't have space for this. I don't have room for this. It's too much. I can't look at it. This is the the defilement or the poison of aversion. Not really being able to fully turn towards it. And and we talked about this last week, that sometimes aversion works as this um, kind of fake protector. That it almost seems like we're doing it to protect ourselves. Uh, but really, that's more of just a facade for our fear. We're just afraid. It's scary to look at this stuff. So what do we do with it? How do we come to terms with it? How can we make a difference? How does this relate to our practice? This is what I want to explore. As I was trying to bring all of this into something to bring to the table this evening, to talk about this in such a short period of time, um, these three words came up. And I call them now the three C's. 
Connection, compassion, and continuity. And so I want to talk about all three of these with you and explore them in terms of what's going on with our planet and our relationship with that, our spiritual relationship with that, our personal relationship with that. So the first one, connection. Greed, hatred, aversion. Uh, There's not a lot of room for connection when all three or one of those is in the mind. One of those is coloring our perspective. And so sometimes when we talk about our planet and our world as a whole, all sorts of different attitudes and perceptions can can get into the way, uh, rooted in, in those poisons. It's feeling that somehow we're separate. Somehow it doesn't have to do with us directly. Or somehow that, well, I do enough. I do enough. I don't really need to be bothered with more of this. I want to do an exercise with you. Um, Let's do just a very brief meditation, and I'd like to explore this idea of connection with the earth. And to do this, uh, I'd like you to close your eyes and begin by really feeling either your feet or uh, your body on the floor and feeling that physical connection with the ground, with the earth. And yes, we have a carpet below us and there's probably cement foundation below that and then somewhere down there is actual soil. And we can just imagine our connection going straight directly to that and feel that for a moment. And as you feel it here holding you, supporting you, I'd like you to consider the following Without it, we couldn't survive. We need it. There's no us without it. We couldn't survive without its nutrients, its bounty, its healthy atmosphere. Our lives are directly connected to it. Feel it now below you, supporting you, connected to you. And as you feel that connection, get a sense of everyone here in the room also connected to that same earth also dependent on it, all of us here together, connected. Imagining now your loved ones, all connected to the same earth, all of us connected together all of the loved ones now here in the room with us. 
going even further, imagining our community, all of us here on the earth, all of us connected to it, feeling its importance now, how small we are as individuals compared to this Mother Earth, supporting all of us life forms, imagining all of life on this earth, humans, non-humans, all of us connected to it, not one of us separate from it. We all depend on it. We depend on its health, its vitality is our vitality. And then go ahead and just take a deep breath in. Deep breath out. You can open your eyes. The storyline that I had, that's not my thing. <laughs> global, global change. Climate change, not my thing, is not true. (laughs) It couldn't be further from the truth. It directly affects me in every way. It affects me. It affects my community, my loved ones. It affects next generations. We all completely depend on this earth. And any moment thinking otherwise... I think is is coming from that place of delusion, not seeing clearly, not seeing clearly. We are so connected to it. And think about all the wonderful things that we get from this earth. It's our teacher in so many ways. I can't tell you how many times I've been on retreat where going out into nature, immediate connection feeling the wind, being with the trees, no words spoken, and yet I could feel dharma was just there, just available. And maybe you've experienced that too. Maybe walking through Tilden, walking on the beach somewhere, being out in nature, being in one of the parks here in Berkeley, uh, Watching squirrels play, hearing birds, uh, watching the bugs, the ants do their thing. There's something connecting about it. Our body relaxes. There's a feeling of ease. Uh, I I, I know I have had times where there's this feeling of coming home, this feeling of connection. We are already connected to it. It's just our misunderstanding our misperception that is separate. It's just a dream that we're separate. And so coming into contact, coming back over and over again into that contact of this really does matter, I think is maybe a start to blowing uh, that misconception, popping that bubble The Buddha was incredibly connected, I think. I didn't know the guy. (laughs) But from his teachings, he uses examples of the natural world continuously 
through his teachings. Using phrases like, uh, the mind is like pure water. He talks a lot about the mind, actually, and bodies of, of water, oceans, streams. Uh, he talks about finding refuge at a foot of, of, the tree, of a tree to go sit, find refuge in the forest. He lived in the forest. He lived in nature. He lived in the natural world. When you go to Southeast Asia, and if you get up early enough, you'll see this tradition that's been going on for thousands of years, uh, Pindabat, where the monks will uh, walk on, uh, go on their alms uh, walk, where they are going out, actually out to beg for food or to collect food. And they do it without any shoes. And so every single... Uh, foot plant is on the earth directly, feeling that connection as they go along, feeling that connection to something that's bigger, something that really actually connects all of us. And this is a tradition that goes on every single day in this world. Our tradition is uh, woven in to the natural world. There is no separation no separation. I want to read you a quote. This is one of my favorites that talks to me about uh, or says uh, quite a bit without saying a lot about this connection with earth and how much of a teacher it really is. This is by David Wagner. And it's called Lost. Stand still. The trees ahead and bushes beside you. You are not lost. Wherever you are is called here. And you must treat it as a powerful stranger, must ask permission to know it and be known. The forest breathes. Listen, it answers. I have made this place around you. If you leave it, you may come back again, saying, here. No two trees are the same to raven. No two branches are the same to wren. If what a tree or a bush does is lost on you, you are truly lost. Stand still, the forest knows where you are. You must let it find you. Our earth is our teacher. The Dharma is there, completely available, right there. But we have to protect it. We have to protect this natural world just like uh, we would to protect the Dharma, to protect uh, what we know is true, what we know is wholesome and worth protecting. But how do we do this without getting completely overwhelmed? How do we do this and feel like we can do it in a balanced way? Uh, compassion was a word that came up for me when I was exploring that. Compassion is how we do this in a balanced way. True compassion, too, also has uh, a seed of wisdom. So continuing our practice and increasing our wisdom 
dispelling these poisons of greed, hatred, and delusion which propel us to act in ways that are damaging to us, to others, to our earth. And then to hold what is here right now, to hold what is happening with compassion, meaning allowing our heart to quiver at the sign of uh, our ailing earth, to actually face it. So when I asked, how does that make you feel, hearing about what's going on and what what they're finding with global uh, climate change, and the responses of uh, anger, sadness, fear, helplessness, guilt, we can hold all of this with compassion. We have to hold all of it with compassion. Otherwise, we won't look towards it. We'll only look away. And this is, uh, this takes a lot of strength. This takes a lot of courage to be able to open the heart in this way to whatever it is that is in front of us. But it's a necessity. We have to do it. Our survival depends on it. So turning towards with a compassionate heart is one way to hold what is happening here. I have a quote here from Thich Nhat Hanh. Uh, he was asked, what, what do we need to do to save our world? And his response was, what we most need to do is to hear within us the sound of the earth crying. Allowing our heart to tremble in the face of what's really going on. Recently, I was driving uh, here in the East Bay, and I was at a stoplight, and there was a center divide that divided the two uh, lanes of traffic. And a on the other side, going in the opposite direction, there was a car and a woman opened her door and pushed out all this garbage into the center divide. And that was my reaction. <laughs> it was, it hurt. It, it physically hurt to watch her, doing, watch her do this. And then the anger came. What does she think she's doing? Is anyone else seeing this? Where are the cops when you need them? You know, that was what was going on in my mind. I was really upset. I was really angry. It felt very personal. I couldn't imagine doing something like that. It hurt. It hurt. And the hurt was the connection, feeling that connection, that that affects all of us. That affects our earth. The anger was hatred, aversion. (laughs) It was a very appropriate response, but my partner who was sitting next to me said out loud, she just doesn't know. And it just hit me, yeah, you can't know to be able to do that. You just couldn't do it if you knew You couldn't do it. She just doesn't know. 
And suddenly my heart opened and I felt this compassion for all the things that she didn't know, all the things that I don't know. You know, when I go and carelessly, I'm thirsty, so I'll, I'll buy a bottled water without thinking, it's just one bottle. <laughs> Not thinking that that bottle has nowhere to go, <laughs> but our oceans, our landfills, uh, and will be there for generations upon generations. I'm not even sure they know how long it actually takes for it to degrade because we haven't survived it yet. <laughs> it's just one bottle. I just don't know. I'm not connected in that moment. I'm stuck in that greed, hatred, and delusion. I'm just so thirsty. There's the greed, delusion. Yeah, this is okay. She just doesn't know. So educating with, through compassion. That's what the Buddha did. He wasn't going to teach this. He didn't feel that he could teach us the way after he had awoken. The question was, will people understand this, what I've just found? And when he looked, he realized that there were some people with just a little bit of dust in their eyes, as he put it. They were very close to understanding and that there were some that could hear the teachings and understand. And so, through compassion, we need to educate ourselves. We need to educate others uh, with an open heart. Doing it with anger will only meet more resistance, will only meet more aversion and hatred. Our heart has to open. It has to be available and ready to meet what it sees, it's the ignorance with, with compassion, with kindness. This is, by, uh, this is a quote from Nelson Mandela. Our human compassion binds us, the one to the other, not by pitting or patronizing but as human beings who have learned how to turn our common suffering into hope for the future. Turning our common suffering into hope for the future. That's it. Coming together as community, coming together uh, as family, coming together as a nation, as a world, to really face what's happening to face this first noble truth of there is suffering. There is suffering happening in this world and we're causing it. We're causing it. What can we do? Allowing the heart to turn towards, allowing our attention to turn towards it. Lastly is continuity. This week is Earth Care Week. And there are different communities around the country that are doing different projects in, in response to this being Earth Care Week. Which is wonderful. And we have Earth Day, a celebration to bring awareness to our Earth. But it can't be about a week. And it can't be about a day. It has to be something that's starts to live in our daily consciousness, just like our practice. 
If we practice just for a week a year or just for one day a year, chances are we're not actually uh, integrating that into our every single day experience in life. And so our relationship with the earth, uh, we can start to, to ask, when does it, just like practice, when does life uh, become practice and practice become part of our life? When does our daily experience and our actions, uh, when are they directly connected with our planet, with how, uh, with how we're impacting our, our ecosystem? And so I think it's wonderful to have a week and a day to bring this awareness, but what I'm really interested in is how do we do this on a continual basis? How can we make this something that is ongoing? And I have a couple of thoughts, and then I thought we would get into some small groups and talk a little bit about it and brainstorm a little bit. It doesn't mean you have to have the answers, but I think that the number one thing we need to do is start small. Start with what we can do. Uh, stop drinking from straws. <laughs> stop buying bottled water. We have good drinking water in this country. You know, maybe driving a little less. Walking more, biking more. Little things. Making sure you're really recycling. Reusing uh, plastic bags. Or not using them at all. Using cloths instead of paper towels. Things like this. Starting small. Make it, make it work. One person can't change everything. Can't solve this huge, complex problem. It's a world problem. And so the good news is that you don't have to as an individual. Community can come together around this. So finding community who are interested in this, maybe here right in the Sangha, maybe someone starts something and includes the Sangha here to, to uh, be part of it. Or maybe you reach out to the thousands of organizations right now that are doing this type of work and bringing a lot of awareness around global climate change. So going to community, engaging our youth, our next generation, we have to educate them. We have to educate ourselves. They're already uh, being affected by this. And oftentimes, my experience has been, they're the ones with really great ideas on what to do about it. So engaging them, having them part of the solution Connecting with the earth every day. Bringing it into your compassion practice, your metta practice. Feeling it under you as you sit and practice. Feeling it under your feet as you walk. Including it in your gratitudes. Feel that connection every day with the earth. The more it becomes important to you, the more you feel that connection, the more you will not be able to ignore what's happening. There will be nothing more than action that's left. Nothing else will seem appropriate. So these are thoughts that came through my mind. I'd love you to turn to 
maybe group, make groups of three. Uh, just whoever's near you. If you're feeling quiet and, and maybe you're not, into, not really interested in talking, uh, I suggest joining a group of three and just listening. You're welcome to just sit and listen. So go ahead and turn towards each other. And I'd like you just to go around the circle and have a conversation about what, your, what is your connection with climate change and what, what do you think your role could be in making a difference around it. And I'll ring the bell about halfway and let you know when halfway is there and then uh, we'll come back as a larger group and talk about it. So this is halfway. groups could use just a little bit more time. Just a little more time. Okay, I think most of you are okay then. I know. Um, we're going to gr- bring this to the larger group, so if you didn't get to share in your group and you just are dying to say what you wanted to say, you can say it now in the group if you feel comfortable. Um, I do have a mic that I'd like to pass around. Uh, will you do that? Great. It's not on yet. So I'd I'd love to hear what um, came up in your group, and I think it's also what a wonderful opportunity for us as a larger group to hear from each other and just hear from the collective wisdom that's here uh, in the room. So what did you, what was said? What were the themes? What is running through your mind on on this topic? Yeah, go ahead. You got the mic. (laughs) I do have the mic. Um, When you were speaking, something that really occurred to me was, oh, what am I needing to give up in order to affect change? Yes. And then it occurred to me, oh, wait, wait, wait. That's looking at it from a negative viewpoint. Uh Uh-huh. But what have I already given up by the things that I'm doing? One thing for me in particular is about transportation. Yeah. So, for example, um, when I'm driving, what do I give up? What am I losing by driving? Mm. Rather than, or what? another way to phrase it is, what do I gain by doing something differently? Whether it's walking and noticing, more like you were describing, yeah. feet on the ground, shadows, light, dark. Mm-hmm. Those things that tend to whiz by when we're in our bubbles of the cars. Yeah. Another example for me is even uh, walking down the street or seeing other people, which I don't see in driving. Or public transportation is another example. If I take part, how awesome is it to see other people and witness mm-hmm. what's going on for them, to actually be present to all those other people that are sharing this common experience? Breathing, thinking, sitting, standing. So I guess I want to say is just in flipping it to 
what I'm giving up. What have I given up, but what do I also gain? Yeah, that's beautiful. That's a great example. Just noticing that attitude and, you know, really catching. This is where our practice, where I think we as practitioners end up being really wonderful stewards for the environment and for for each other. Because we have this wonderful practice that allows us to catch those storylines of what am I, what do I have to give up? And then having the ability to see that clearly and change it around is a beautiful example. And also to notice that, that attitude in the mind of what do I have to give up? The aversion, the greed, just in that statement, you can kind of feel the separateness that starts to develop. Can feel that that like, that little bit of disconnection that happens, where when you switched it to, what do I get to be? Well, I forget how you said it exactly. What do I gain from this, or what do I learn from this? Suddenly, there's this openness. There's that that ability to connect again. It's a beautiful example. Thank you. Anybody else? Um, well, first of all, I'd like to say that if um, anybody has a bicycle that's not working, uh, I will fix it and tune it and lube it and fit you to it for free. Oh. No, I'm I'm serious. I'm a bike tech, or I'm a bike tech, among other things. But I would really like to see people get out of their cars and at least get onto bicycles or or walk. So that's the first thing. Um, and I'm serious, so take me <laughs> up on it. <laughs> Great. Um, well, that, actually, that's enough. I'll, I'll let somebody else talk. But a lot of things came to mind, and I really appreciate you giving me more of an individual perspective on, on, uh, on how, to, how to work with it and how to deal with it. So thanks. Thank you. Way in the back. Way back here, Jaime. Um, I was just thinking... Okay. I was thinking before... I think after... I don't know when it just came to me. Oh, but hold it a little bit closer. Oh, you know, it's... Yeah, there that, you go. Can you hear me better? Yeah, now? that's great. Thanks. That um, it's sort of a variation on... I always think of... I have a long way to go in terms of living more consciously. I know that. Uh-huh. But I always feel resentful and like I'm going to have to give something up and I don't yeah. want to do it. And you can't yeah. make me. And so um, <laughs> I was thinking that if, you, if I approached it more like, what can I do that's loving kindness towards the earth or in my you know, environment? And not so much what I'm going to get out of it because I know I'm still going to feel somewhat resentful. But if I think of it more <laughs> in terms of loving and you know and being kind i think that would motivate me a lot more rather than the way i normally think of it which is you know the rebellious kind of yeah. no i don't want to do it yeah you know? and and there's a lot of areas that we were talking about how like for example if you work and you have to do home visits or go or move around in your work it's not really feasible for me to give up driving um and i'm i know i'm not going to but 
you know, I guess that I started thinking, well, maybe it's just think of even little things like you're saying, start small and, and just don't be so. And the other thing that you said that kind of struck me was having compassion for ourselves too, for finding ourselves having, especially some of us, um, having been in a lifestyle where I didn't really ever think about it, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth. And now sort of realizing, oh, I have some responsibility too. I usually think of the major corporations and the media obscuring this thing yeah. that I very seldom really think about, except for some things like you know recycling paper and stuff, what I should be doing. Especially in Oakland, they don't really, where I live, you, just, you either recycle paper or you put things in a garbage bin. Uh-huh. And, there's, and I remember when I was working in the city in San Francisco and they started trying to get us to do landfill. And I, I, know, I still don't really know the difference between all the different things. And I thought, too, but if I had it in my environment, if they, you know, made it a little bit more, like I still don't, when are you really needing to recycle something? When does it go to the landfill? What is the landfill? Yeah. Where is it? And all, the, all those kind of things, I think it would help helped a lot more. Yeah. So I guess <clears throat> when my conclusion is to try to learn more about it myself, but not lay a big guilt trip because yeah. that just brings rebellion. That's know, it. Rebellious feeling. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, it's not unlike our practice, right? Yeah. If we beat up ourselves because we are not practicing every day, we probably aren't going to be... That's not really motivating to then go ahead and start your practice every day, is it? It's, it's like that with just about anything, isn't it? Yeah, so compassion for ourselves that might be the place to start. And then I really love what you said about then turning it... Using that, the heart opening, compassion... Uh, and and care for the earth, rather than having to do just one more thing, you know the the shoulds. I should be doing this, should be doing that. And if you're feeling aversive to that, look where where the heart opens and start there. And it sounds like that that's certainly uh, an ability for you. <laughs> so that's your starting place, and then see what happens. Oftentimes, I find that when my heart opens, that. Uh, sparks so much, um, and it'll spark enthusiasm, creativity. Suddenly I'll have five other ideas on what I could be doing to have that feeling of connection and heart opening. And, and all it takes is this one little seed, this one little spark. And so going towards that, where you can see, oh, my heart can open right when I do this. Start there. Yeah, that's great. Anything else? We have maybe time for... Just one short comment, actually, and then I'll wrap it up. I... So one thing that I've been practicing with and thinking of lately is um, the, this a realization that I've had that so much of what I've been doing isn't really trying to help anything except trying to allay my own feeling of responsibility and allay my own feeling of guilt. Uh-huh. And that that was kind of the attitude that I was coming to like living smaller from was like, yeah. I wanted it to be, it's not me doing this, I, you know, it's those other people. It's, right. Um, and you know, I was living small, but it was, it was really coming from a place where I was trying to maintain ignorance. I was trying to maintain this illusion that I could that that was enough, and that I could <laughs> could just kind of push it away, not be involved, and. Yeah one of the things I've been realizing increasingly is the need to, the need for people to actually get involved in pushing for systemic change as opposed to just 
just trying to live small uh, as opposed to just trying to do this as individuals. Yeah, that's it. And you might notice too, maybe you've, you've noticed, I know this in myself, that the energy it takes to live in that delusion, delusion, uh, it's exhausting <laughs> to keep that, that idea alive and, and true in my mind. Uh, delusion, uh, greed, hatred, it's all, it's all in that. Um, and we all, we all do it to some extent, don't we? It's, it's such a human thing to do. And then when you see it, you see it, start to see it clearly. And you can feel the opening that comes from that. Maybe there's a little guilt or judgment there, but, but, uh, that's just part of all of that anyway. <laughs> it's just leftovers. <laughs> the feeling of, oh, I am really connected. What a wonderful thing. Yeah, this is, this is a mess, but I'm connected. And uh, there's something I can do. I think it's great. Um, so we do have to end there. Because it's 9.30... I, want, I would like to do a dedication of merit. And what, what better uh, topic than to bring in this consciousness, which is the dedication of merit, bringing in this consciousness that this practice isn't just for us, that this is about something bigger than us. This is for all beings everywhere. And so as we dedicate the wholesomeness uh, of just being here, of practicing, of coming and willing to feel that connection, uh, acknowledging that it's not just for us, and that may it be for all beings everywhere, may all beings be happy and content. May all beings be healthy in their minds and in their body, May all beings feel that connection to our earth and to each other and to our dharma. Thank you, everyone, for your kind attention. Have a nice evening. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.